Hey guys, Partick here. Welcome back to the Baseball That Show. In this episode, we're going to talk about pitch counts. Now, I've done podcasts on this in the past, and I've done videos on it, um, but I think it's something that I'm going to put on the calendar to do every year this time of year at the start of the baseball season. Um, you know, even though we've done shows on it, uh, you know, all that stuff's buried right, right in the in the archives of of the podcast. And I'd like to at least you know kind of presence it a little bit, presence this topic by bringing it up every spring. So. Um, this podcast was also inspired by, you know, the last few weeks. I've certainly have had the players that I work with um, have had all kinds of issues. Um, there's been players that have come up, um, you know, with some overuse injuries, some players that were pitched too much early on and had to deal with, um, you know, nothing major, but cer certainly some minor injuries, something they wouldn't want to deal with. I've had some players who just been overused by their coach and they had to make some decisions on you know, maybe stepping back from pitching from their school team and just focus on playing the field and and a whole host of other things that you could probably imagine. And also this this is inspired by a conversation I had today with my friend John, who's a, a former college pitcher, all around great guy. And we were having a conversation not only about pitch counts and what are safe pitch counts and how to manage them, but also like what's the dad's role when your son's being overused? And so that's something I, I want to address. Um, so let's take a look at pitch counts. So I look at pitch counts uh, vastly different than uh, many in baseball look at them. We often focus on the pitch total, right? So you'll see in, you know, in just about every major league game, right, in the, the little scoreboard section they have up on the left, uh, left-hand corner of the screen, they will put, like, pitch counts there, right? Um, we track them. We will often say how many he threw 80 pitches in this game, 60 pitches, 50 pitches. We have rules that are based on total number of pitches, right? So the, what I think it's called the pitch smart rules, right? That, that, you know, have to, that mandate a certain period of rest for a certain given total of pitches. So I am actually not interested at all in the number of pitches that a pitcher throws. What I am interested in is the total amount of stress that is put on the pitcher with any given pitch total, okay? So in baseball, there's, there's a lot of things we do in baseball that if you kind of move the conversation to another context, like they sound insane, right? So pitch counts is certainly one of those things. And so when we focus just on the total number of pitches, we're ignoring what we're really trying to do, right? We're really trying to protect the pitcher from too much stress, from an overload. So what if I said to you, I could show you how a pitcher throwing 35 pitches was at greater uh, stress and greater risk of injury than a pitcher throwing 90 pitches. So three times almost, you know, like, uh, or two and a half times the amount of pitches. A pitcher could be far safer. And so that sounds a little crazy, right? So let's change the context. So let's go into the weight room. Let's say you curl 50 pounds. And I ask you to curl uh, 35 in a row you will be spent, right? You probably don't curl that many in a row, right? I would bet, some, you know, like maybe if you do 12 reps per set or something like that, or if your son does that, you know, probably, you know, somewhere in the, the early 20s, you would start to see some changes. You would start to see muscle fatigue start to, to creep in. Then you would start to see a breakdown in mechanics. And then when you got to the final, probably 20% of those, uh, of those reps, the, the risk of injury would skyrocket based on that muscle fatigue and that altering of mechanics of the curl. Now, 
let's go with scenario two. Let's say you curl 50 pounds and I ask you to do 15 and I give you five or six minutes off. And then I ask you to come back and do another 15, five or six minutes off, another 15, five or six minutes off. Well, you could do that all day. You could do that all day, right? Very safely, you could do a lot of sets at that pace. So this is the difference. When we're talking about pitches, you could have a kid who throws 35 pitches in the first inning, be in complete muscle failure, muscle fatigue, and he could be done for the day. But the clicker still says that he could throw 30 more, whatever the limit is, right? Where we would say the same kid throwing 90 pitches, right? If we were just looking at pitch totals, we would be looking at those totals and saying, well, the kid who's thrown 90 is at far greater stress than the kid who threw 35. No, no, because there's many factors that, and I, and I applaud the pitch smart people for, I get what their intentions are. Their intentions are to try and put parameters to keep kids safe. They're really rules for adults. If you think about it, it's a little disturbing that we have to put in, uh, in the game of great game, American game of baseball, that we have to have to put in rules to protect children from adults. <laughs> it's a little, little scary if you think about it, but they're looking at just the pitch total. So the kid who throws, the kid who, who gets the 35 pitches, the team runs him back out there because he's got, he could throw 30 more or 35 more, whatever his limit is. But the kid who gets to, um, you know, the fourth inning, and he's at 60 pitches and he can only go out for like five in, you know, pitches or 10 pitches for the, in the fifth inning, even though he's gotten there at a much manageable pace. So it's not the total of pitches that he throws. It's number, the first thing is how he arrives at that total and how fast he arrives at that total. Right? So the, the, if I have an, if I have a real concern about the, the, the advent of the pitch clock, um, I think it's going to really change the way that pitchers have to prepare to pitch. So I want you to think about this. So the pitch clock is going to meet your son. If your son is, you know, 14 years old, 15 years old, I imagine the next couple of years, it's going to creep into college baseball, right? It's going to, and you, you, like your son is moving up, the, the, the pitch clock will be moving down to lower levels of baseball. It's going to get there, right? It's going to get there. I could see it in tournament baseball. It's going to make games move faster, the more games move faster, the more games you can play, the more teams you can take in the tournament, the more money the tournament director can make. The pitch clock is coming to tournament baseball, without a doubt, right? So if you think about it, right, let's say the game is 15% shorter. Well, that's going to mean that now, obviously, the individual pitches, right? So that's where the attention goes. Um, and everybody's pissed off about these strikeouts and stuff like that. Like, uh, that is like... <laughs> that's the far, far that is the least amount of, of concern that I have is that there's going to be some strikeouts as people adjust to the rule, right? I'm, I am much, much more worried about the overall health of pitchers. So the pitch, the pitcher obviously will have less time to recover between pitches. So he's going to put a full effort pitch, then he's going to have time to recover. So that time is going to be shorter, maybe not for all pitchers, pitchers that were working faster, you know, so it's not going to be for all pitchers. Um, that the individual pitch time might not be a factor for all pitchers, but here's what will be a factor is now on the other side, innings are going to be shorter, right? So if the game is 15 to 20% shorter, take anything that you do in life. And I want you to, to decrease the time you have to do it by 15 or 20%, right? So, uh, so John, who I was speaking to is, is a, is a teacher. And so we were saying, like, what if you had 15 to 20% less time to teach your curriculum to your students? That would be a problem, right? That would be an issue. That's a significant amount of time. What if you had 15 to 20% less time to prepare uh, or to drive to work, right? You would have to make adjustments. And so now we're giving pitchers less recovery time between innings. 
So let's go back to the weight room. Let's say you do 15. And instead of me giving you five minutes off, I give you three and a half minutes off. Well, now that may have an effect. That may have an effect on how fast you reach muscle fatigue based on those totals. Whereas if you get 15 pitches and then your team has a normal kind of offensive inning where they get a runner on or score a few runs, whatever, and you've got a decent break, now your intervals are longer. There's no, there's no strength training coach in the world that would, that would uh, short circuit a player's training program by decreasing um, the amount of recovery, right? There are certain programs that are meant to kind of gas you, right? But that's balanced in with programs that are meant to have adequate recovery, right? And so you'll hear strength coaches talk about like a sine wave of that there is, you're going to impose a load, that load is going to um, put you into a deficit, your body's going to recover. And in that recovery phase, muscle is built, right? But if you shorten that recovery phrase, phase, you don't allow that process of muscle to, to be built adequately. So if you, if you go back to the pitch counts, you, you now have a kid who's thrown 35, he's in muscle failure, he could be done. He's done, he's got nothing right? The kid who's throwing at 15 pitches per clip, um, he could go on forever. Now, here's a couple other factors to consider in when you're thinking about pitch counts. The pitch counts rule, again, I applaud them, but um, I'm, you know, I, I really don't care about uh, organizations or whatever. I'm, I, I'm concerned with my pitchers, and that's really all I care about. So um, when you're thinking about just the total, right, you're looking at this number of pitches is safe. Well, that's assuming a lot of things. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Number one, it's assuming that every kid is at the same level of development, right? So let's talk about a 12-year-old kid. In any growth cycle, there's a two-year standard deviation in growth. That's why you have some 12-year-olds that look 14, and you have some 12-year-olds that look 10, right? So a 12-year-old that looks 14, that pitch counts may be fine. A 12-year-old at the lower end of that, of that development phase, um, that might be way too much. Right. And again, that's assuming that we're also talking about how they arrive at those totals. OK, so they are assuming that everybody everybody's kind of an equal in their growth and development. Number two, they're assuming that all kids are equal based on their mechanical efficiency. So kids who are mechanically efficient can throw pitches with less stress. Kids that that are not mechanically efficient have a higher stress per pitch. Right. So you may have 35 kids, 35 pitches on a kid who's mechanically inefficient, those 35 pitchers could have a dramatically different stress effect on that pitcher than the pitcher who's got good mechanics and throws far more pitches, right? Because a pitcher with good mechanics, he's absorbing the stress of the pitch kind of evenly distributed over his body, where a pitcher that doesn't have the greatest of mechanics, they're, they're usually lo localizing that stress into parts of their body around those inefficiencies. So, um, and most of the time, those inefficiencies are lower half, which means the arm, the upper half absorbs the brunt of it. So generally, if there's a 20% or so decrease in lower half efficiency, the arm has to do one third more work. So now let's say you have a kid who's got great mechanics, got great efficiency, and then you got a kid who has a, a, a you know, poor efficiency on his lower half. So you got one kid who's essentially has to do one third more work with his arm. So you got one kid who's paying like a buck 33 a pitch, and then the kid with good mechanics is paying a buck a pitch. Well, those things don't come out equal when you're talking in totals, okay? Um, they're also uh, assuming, the third thing that they would assume is that all kids are coming in with the same amount of preparation and strength, right? So that's pretty easy. Some kids are more developed and stronger than other kids, right? Um, the fourth thing is they're assuming that all kids come into the game with equal kind of, you know, that they didn't play just a double header, and this is the third game of a doubleheader, 
Um, they didn't just come from a basketball game, right? They're assuming kind of everybody enters the game on an equal footing. And they just don't, right? They just don't. So there's a lot to this pitch total discussion that we're missing, which is why despite the implementation of, of any kind of rules around pitch counts, we still see injuries skyrocketing, right? It's, it's, you still see it. It hasn't gone down at all. And, and people that will point to that, it, that it's gone down, will point it's gone down like, like 1% or something like that. Like, like injuries de are decreasing is a great headline, but yeah, decreasing, um, not, not by enough to really say like, wow, there's really been some progress made here. And let me tell you this, if your kids hurt, do you really care what the hell the stats say? No, right? Nobody cares, right? If, if your kid is hurt, then that's the most important thing. And I'm, I'm speaking to you, to everybody who's listening to this as an individual father, who's listening to this for your son, right? So I'm not thinking about the game as a whole. I'm talking about how does it affect your kid? Because that's what you care about. Whether, you know, we care about all kids, right? But ultimately, if it's your son that ends up injured and somebody says, well, you know, injury injuries are, are decreasing you know, by 1% last year, it, it doesn't matter. You could say it could be a decrease by 30%. Your kid's still hurt, right? It could be increasing at 30%. Your kid's still hurt, right? It doesn't matter what those numbers are. So when it comes down to it, you have to look at, number one, how you arrive at the total in sets, right? So did you throw 30 pitches one inning and 20 pitches the next? You could be done, right? Versus did you do it in evenly set, say like 15 to 20 pitches per inning? Um, how fast did you arrive at that total? So how much recovery time did you have between pitches and between innings, right? Let me just give you a little side note. Um, one of the things I think we neglect is that the pitcher is the single most important position in baseball. Uh, one pitcher can neutralize an entire other team. And we have to really protect the pitcher's recovery time between innings, right? So I work with a lot of teams all the way, you know, college teams all the way down. And I implement a green, yellow, red system with them. And so if a pitcher throws 30 pitches in the first inning or 25 pitches in the first inning or something that's outside of, say, between 15 and 20 pitches, we're red. And that means that we're a little going to be a little slower going up to the plate. We may step out to take signs. We may, um, you know, tap our cleats or whatever. Um, and I know the pitch clock is going to make that more difficult as it trickles down. But for now, at amateur levels, you should use that. I am even not above uh, faking having a piece of dirt in your eye and having to call a timeout or something like that. I'm not above that at all. I think we can. I think that's a good enough. Uh, I think that's an okay fib that we'll be able to get through the pearly gates with that. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, I, I'd imagine, I think God loves baseball. So I think we're okay. And hopefully like maybe one of the baseball greats will be up there waiting for us and, and, and explain the situation. We were trying to protect the kids' arms <laughs> when we fake the, <laughs> the dirt in the eye. So we, we want to we give that pitcher a little bit more time, right? So if the pitcher's thrown, say, like say, you know, if the pitcher's thrown a lot, like 30 pitches, if he's thrown like over 20 pitches, we might be yellow where we're going to take a little, not, we're not going to really delay, but we're not going to rush because we don't want the offense. We don't want a guy that throws 30 pitches and the offense goes one, two, three on four pitches and the kids back out there a few minutes later. If, if, our, if we're in red and the pitcher's thrown a lot, we want to give him enough time to recover. If the pitcher's thrown between 15 or 20 pitches and it's all good, then we're green and the offense can proceed as, as planned. Um, the one thing you want to make sure of as a coach, too, is that if your first two hitters go down one, two on like, like on two pitches, then you might want to turn to red, slow it down a little bit. Right. So let's say that the, let's say there's five or six minutes right between the average inning, something like that. And you can extend that for a pitcher that has 
thrown, you know, 30 pitches. So let's say it's five minutes and you can extend it two minutes. So that's a 40% increase in the recovery time. doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot if you're that pitcher in that situation. So um, the last thing I'll, 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 I'll talk about is what's the role as a parent? You know, uh, the one thing one of the parents said to me this week is, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Well, um, I'm sorry, you know, you're not being that guy. Um, the coach is being that guy. So if your son is being overused, um, this is not being that guy. This is not like being that crazy dad. This is not being, you're not stomping your feet saying that your kid should bat third and play shortstop all the time when he's not pitching, right? This is, you're talking about the health and safety of your child. I'm sorry, all bets are off. I don't care, right? You're certainly within your rights to determine and, and determine what are safe and healthy pitch counts for your son. And that's one of the reasons why people do work with me as well, because in situations like this, I can give them a third party opinion. I don't have any horse in the race. I could tell them like, yeah, that's in bounds or that's out of bounds with pitch counts. But if you feel that your son's being overused, uh, this is not baseball. This is health, safety and, and his long term health for whatever the duration of his career is going to be. You are well within your rights to uh, to uh, certainly discuss with that coach what what are healthy pitch count limits and how your son will be used. Now, what I would advise is that, you know, you catch more flies uh, with honey, right? And so I, I would I would approach it in a way that says, you know, like, coach, I, I'd like to discuss with you um, kind of, you know, some, some pitch count ideas. I, I'm a little concerned about how much uh, my son is throwing. And, and certainly I would like to work with you to figure out, you know, how, how we can bring it to within some healthy parameters. Um, now, when you make a pretty reasonable request like that, it should be met reasonably, I think. And if it isn't, then well, then it isn't, right? And so, um, I, you know, I get I get that it's a difficult situation, but um, you know, I, I think that uh, any coach who's overusing a player, um, you know, and it's your son, this is this is it is your it is your kid, it is your son. Now that coach can do what he wants to do, but I'm going to tell you. You'd be, you'd be putting a coach in a very difficult position to strong arm you, right? So if you feel that your son is being overused with pitches, right? Um, and you go to the coach with a concern about his overuse and that coach ignores you, um, that, that coach just really put himself in a very difficult position because God forbid that something happens to your son's arm. Um, and the coach was alerted to the fact that somebody felt that he was doing something negligent and overusing players. Um, I think we're going to certainly as there's more money invested in youth baseball and amateur baseball, travel ball and such, I, I think there's going to be I know there, there have been some lawsuits around injuries, but I think you're going to see them accelerate that if, a, you know, if you have a coach who blows out a kid's arm and, you know, you're invested all this money, like there certainly is a loss at hand. There's a financial loss that can be connected back that probably during our childhood would not have been significant. So. Um, I think you're well within your rights. And if you feel like the co if the coach is not cooperative, um, you're certainly well within your rights to take it up the, the chain of command. I would not go above the coach. I would start with the coach. Let the coach dictate the path forward. In the vast majority of cases, most coaches are pretty reasonable. And most coaches maybe will at least, you know, bring that back into some healthy parameters because it's been brought to them. That's been my experience. Some coaches in every industry, there are some jerks. And you will find some coaches who are jerks. And yeah, you can run up the chain of command and, and certainly some of the pitchers I described in the uh, initial part of this podcast, um, there were pitchers who made decisions about whether or not they were going to continue to pitch for their team and just play another role. 
So that would be totally your decision as well. Now, the coach can certainly make decisions, right? He could bench your son, remove your son from the team. But I'm going to tell you, it's not would not be a good move to do that. That if your son was cut from the team or benched from the team and you like had to go to the athletic director and say, I approached the coach about pitch counts for my son. And this was like the retribution for that. I've seen that happen a lot too, right? And so that's not something that a coach can really do. And also too, last thing is you're doing the absolute best possible thing you could do for that coach is by bringing his attention to the fact that he's overusing pitchers. Because like I said, I think there'll be more and more lawsuits and stuff over the years. And um, you know, a coach who is overusing pitchers, um, he's going to get kids hurt. And, and when he gets kids hurt, one or, you know, one kid hurt on a team doesn't, doesn't really, doesn't sound, you know, sound the alarm. But when you start, you know, if you have multiple kids hurt on a team or there starts to be um, somewhat of, of a pattern there, that's going to be a problem for the coach. So long run, maybe the coach might, might not feel that way, but you're doing the long, uh, the long term, you're doing the best thing for the coach. But the coaches who are out there uh, that are overusing pitchers and abusing pitchers, shame on you. Absolutely shame on you. And, uh, you know, I am a great Christian man. I have a, a strong faith. Um, I could listen to anyone um, in an argument over the existence of God. I, I'd, I'd be ha- you know, I can, I can listen to anyone's opinions on that, um, uh, even despite my faith. What I will never listen to an opinion on is the existence of the baseball gods. You will never convince me that, that uh, the baseball gods don't exist. And if you're overusing kids and one of those kids comes up hurt because you want to win a high school game, shame on you. I, I, would, I would fear the day that you're going to have to stand before the baseball gods and answer that. So, um, and it's going to cost you your job. It's probably going to cost you a lawsuit and, and, and all that. So um, all that being said, um, you know, we have a lot of programs this spring, uh, coaching programs. So if there's something you'd like me to work with your son on, uh, we have uh, programs around our virtual VLO program. We have our virtual VLO youth program. We have our tough pitcher program. And then also we have a lot of stuff coming around um, with college recruiting. So if any of those are interesting to you, uh, my phone number and email is, are in the show notes. Uh, feel free to send me a text or an email and I'll follow up with you on the details. And that's it. I'll see you on the next show.